Hello, everybody. This is Mike Van Meter, and welcome to the Recovery is Possible podcast. I want to thank you for joining me. You can reach us at our Facebook site, which is also called Recovery is Possible, or our website, which is vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. So this podcast exists to educate the public about addiction, remove the stigma associated with addiction, and offer help and support to those suffering from addiction. And today I want to talk about choice versus disease, this whole notion of is addiction a choice or is it a disease? Because, you know, in the public, if you're talking to people, they'll just say things like, well, you know, you made a choice to to do this, to put a drug or a drink into your mouth. You're choosing to do these things, and you can stop any time. And you know what your problem is? You just don't have enough willpower. If you had more willpower, you'd stop. And if you're listening to this podcast today, there's likely a reason why you chose to listen to this podcast, and you, you may be facing that, and you've probably heard that. Now, uh, the quandary that you face is that you go into treatment, or you go to a detox, or you talk to your doctor, and they're saying, well, what you have is a very serious disease. And, um, you know, I can tell you from personal experience, that's exactly what happened to me, and I was very, very confused, because the people that are supporting you are telling you that you could make a choice, and... The people, the professionals were telling you that you had a disease. And I used to think to myself, well, is that just a scam? Is that just a way to get insurance money? Is that, what is that? I mean, what is that all about? And I would hear some of the weirdest things that people would say, you know, if you just did 10 push-ups a night and relaxed, then you wouldn't drink. Um, If you worked out more, if you cared more. If you just, you know, sucked it up, you, you, you've done so many important things in your life and you've done very difficult things. So if you just tapped into that, you'd be able to stop. Well, those of you that suffer from addiction, you know that that's not how it works at all. And you're left scratching your head and asking yourself, well, what is this all about? Well, I'm here to tell you, it's because you have a serious disease. And it wasn't until I started working with a doctor and a, a, an addiction specialist, and that's important, an addiction specialist, not just any doctor, but an addiction specialist, who said, you know, you have a very serious disease, and this disease will kill you. Do you understand that? And that's what was said to me over and over and over. And uh, I was also fortunate enough to have uh, uh, done some work at a, a center that actually taught the addiction, the the uh, disease model. Not just talked about it, not just told you about it, but actually to- taught the science behind it. And I'm not going to go through all that science today. I mean, we we can do that at some point if this is something that you want to hear about. But it was a mantra that was put out over and over and over at this particular center, and that is that you have a disease, and um, you know, you need to. You need to focus on that and understand that it is progressive, that being addiction, and it will kill you, and you need to understand that. And I think a lot of people don't understand that, and I think that the message is not put out. Um, You know, people who are in recovery are really taught to not talk about being in recovery, and so the people that understand the things that I'm talking about here today don't talk about it in in public, and I think that's a real disservice to the people that are out there. And... um, so just very quickly, I want, I want to show you the problem that we have and why it's important that we have programs like this and we have discussions like this. Because, you know, really, when you think about the United States, and I'm talking about numbers related to the United States here, most people don't drink at all. And I know that's hard to believe. You know, when you watch the Super Bowl, when you watch sporting events, when you really go to work events, um, you know, watch television, you get the impression that everybody drinks. And the fact is, 
that's not true. In, in at least in the United States, most people actually don't. And um, when you talk about harmful use, and that's you know use that where it can your drinking can cause you harm either to your health or to your profession or to your family. You're talking about 60 million people, right? Um, so that's the the vast chunk of people that do have issues actually aren't addicted. Um, addicted folks are about 25 million in the United States. And of that 25 million, only about 2.3 million are in treatment. So if you think about that, 25 million addicted and then 2.3 million in treatment, it's actually a pretty small number of people that get into treatment. And then those that get into successful long-term recovery out of that 2.3 million, uh, it's, it's even smaller than that. In fact, I've I've heard it said that for if you go to say an AA meeting, Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, for example, maybe one in ten that you meet uh, will get into long-term recovery. It, it's really hard to gather those statistics because you know there's nobody doing polls at AA meetings. It, this is kind of a rough estimate, but the point being is that it's a pretty low number. And the reason why I throw that out, I'm not trying to kill you with numbers here. It's just that I, I want to show that the uh, likelihood of you getting into long-term recovery is, uh, in many regards, low, but it's low because people aren't hearing the message that we're going to talk about today. I think people really try to work and depend on their uh, their willpower as opposed to just understanding that you do have a disease and you have to treat this like a disease and just like if you had cancer, if you have diabetes, if you have COVID-19, if you have anything like that, there's things that you got to do. And you don't argue and debate with the physician as to whether you need to do that or not. It seems like addiction is the only disease out there where the patient actually looks at the doctor and says, you don't know what you're talking about, and I'm going to argue, and I'm not going to do what you told me to do. And uh, I'll tell you what, I started having success when I stopped doing that. So let's just talk about what uh, Webster's Dictionary give, gives us as the definition of disease. Because let's do that. Words mean things, and let's, let's talk about what Webster's says. Because this is where I started getting it. All right, so Webster says that a disease is a disordered or abnormal condition of an organ or other part of an organism resulting from the effects of genetic or developmental errors Infection, nutritional deficiency, toxicity, or unfavorable environmental factors. Now, that's interesting because, you know, your brain's an organ. It's a pretty important organ. In fact, it may be the most important organ because it tells all the other organs what to do. So we talk about addiction being not only physical but mental, and it's a, a disease of the brain, and it's a disease that tells you that you don't have it, number one, it tells your brain that you don't have the disease, but then it also keeps telling you to keep drugging or drinking to the point to where you actually die. And that's where the genetic disorder comes into this. Remember, we've talked about genetic predisposition. And I'll tell you, that was that was key for me. When I understood the genetic component, and it, and it definitely runs in my line, that that's when I really started to understand, you know, wow, I don't have control over this. So when we say that you don't have control over your use, that's what we're talking about. Because genetically, you are wired to have your brain tell you that not only is alcohol or drugs not bad for you, but they're good for you. And then if they're good, then a lot more would be a lot more good. It is the only disease that tells you that you don't have it. And that was profound for me to understand. And when I understood that, 
then things started happening for me, right? Started happening for me. Um, nutritional deficiency. We've talked about that, that if you drink alcoholically, the, the B series of vitamins are not even absorbed into your system, 1, 3, 6, and 12. And 1 and 3 have to do with neurological functioning, and uh, which means it, it affects your decision-making processes and your rationality. So if your loved one or you uh, start acting like you might be a little crazy, well, there is there is actually a biological, physiological reason for that. And again, when I started to understand that, then things started to change. Of course, you have toxicity and then um, other environmental factors. But that was important. So then, uh, let me also throw this out. The American Society of Addictive Medicine, they have a definition of addiction. It's a little bit more thorough than Webster's. But uh, this is what these folks do for a living, so they've expanded it a bit. Now listen to what they say. Addiction is a primary chronic disease of the brain, there we go again, of the brain reward, memory, motivation, and related circuits. Addiction is characterized by the inability to consistently abstain, impairing, impairment in behavioral control, craving, diminished recognition of significant problems with one's behaviors, in interpersonal relationships, in a dysfunctional emotional response. Now, that's much more broad than what we had with, with Webster's. Now, I really think that this is spot on because they say here it's addiction is characterized by the inability to consistently abstain. I'm sure you've experienced that. Impairment in behavioral control. We've all seen that. Craving. Now, craving is something that happens with addicts. For non-addicts, non-alcoholics, that craving for alcohol does not exist. It only exists with alcoholics and addicts. And that's because of that genetic miswiring that we're talking about. And then diminished recognition of significant problems with one's behaviors and interpersonal relationships. So what they're saying there is that if you are the addict, you actually don't see what other people see. That's the denial component. But the denial is not on purpose. So if you have a loved one that is suffering from addiction and their behavior drives you crazy and you're like, you know, look at what you're doing to your family. Why are you doing this to me? And you're just very upset and you don't understand why your loved one doesn't get better. Keep in mind, they don't see what you see. And I can tell you years later now, I look back and I feel like I'm a different person. When I tell my story now, I actually feel like I'm telling a story about someone else. Because that time, the, the, the healing has occurred, the toxicity is gone, the vitamins, the minerals, the serotonin levels, the GABA levels, all of that has increased and got me to stabilize. And now I can think rationally and I look back and I'm like, well, who was that person? Maybe you've experienced that because I, I hear it all the time. If When you talk to people that have got into long-term uh, recovery, you hear people say what I, I just said to you, all right? So... We've talked about that biological switch that's thrown deep in the regions of the brain. And it, and people talk about how once they have that first drink or that drug, it's like somebody hit a light switch. And, you know, there's no off switch to it. You know, once it's on, you can't turn it off. That's a very common thing that you hear people say. And I felt the same way as well, too. Um, we have an abnormal reaction to alcohol, which, you know, non, uh, non-addicts don't have, and uh, talked about how it gets transmitted from one, uh, one generation to the next. Now, if you're new to recovery or if you're trying to get into recovery, it's important for you to realize that addiction is progressive. 
it's progressive, and and this was certainly true in my case. I, I definitely I could go back and map it out. That it, the it's the progressive use in the face of adverse consequences. So um, it doesn't matter that you're getting in trouble. It doesn't matter that thing people are saying things to you. It doesn't matter you got that driving under the influence charge. It doesn't matter. It gets worse because you can't control it, and then you deny that what is happening to you actually is happening to you, and um, then many many. Many of you can relate to this, that you lose the control even though in your mind you want to stop. In fact, if you really think about it, many of you are thinking, because I know I was thinking, that there was no one in the room that wanted me to stop more than I wanted to stop, but I couldn't. That's a sign of addiction. That's that's a sign that that what I'm describing to you is happening to you. And there's no way to stop it. It's just a fact. It's a reality. There's nothing you can do it about it. And then, um, to couple all of this, we have a society that's actually trying to normalize, you know, use. And they're trying to tell you that it's okay to drink. In fact, you should drink. There's occasions that we uh, must drink at weddings, graduations, parties, the Super Bowl, birthdays, you name it. You name it. Um, I used to hear people say, you know, I, I used to only drink, I, I resolved myself that I was only going to drink on days that ended with Y. If it had a Y in the, uh, in the, in the name of the day of the week, those were the only days that I was going to drink. And many of you can relate to that because I, I had to laugh that that was certainly true of me. But with these social movements normalizing use, you know, here in the United States, I can't speak for other parts of the world, but here in the United States, we have more and more jurisdictions that are promoting the legalization of marijuana. And uh, I don't want to dive into that right now because I'm going to do a, a separate podcast uh, on my my thoughts on the legalization of marijuana. But we are moving in the direction where we're normalizing use as opposed to promoting um, uh, the the dangerous effects of the use. Okay, now if we are going to normalize use, we also must, with that, get out to the public the dangers of of the use and the explain to the public the things that we're talking about here today. And then then you make your choice because I do believe that people should be allowed to make a choice. However, but you, it needs to be an educated choice. Okay, So just real quickly, and I want to wrap up on this, is just little different characteristics between when something is a choice versus when something is, is a disease, the characteristics between the two. You know, uh, if you are going to make a choice when it comes to your drinking, your drugging, or any other addiction that you may have, um, if it was a choice, meaning you did not have a genetic predisposition in a disease, you'd be able to stop. You'd have free will on that. And a characteristic of a disease is you have no free will over this. You can't will cancer to stop. You can't will diabetes to stop. You can't will COVID-19 or the flu or anything else. It, it, it's not going to stop. If you are making a choice, you um, take responsibility for it. And then, for example, if you got a driving under the influence charge and that was something that you felt ashamed about and something that caused you problems in your life and you wanted to stop, then you could take responsibility for it and then stop. Uh, on the other side, if it was a disease, you would take no responsibility for it and those actions would not cause you to change your behavior whatsoever because the disease has taken over. 
So uh, again, you can stop versus you can't stop. Um, likewise, if you had free will, um, if you were punished for something that you did while you were intoxicated and the courts came in and told you that you had to do certain things, then, then you would do that. Uh, if you have a disease, then the punishment and the coercion from the courts has no effect on you. I, I've, I've met people that have had eight, nine, ten driving under the influence charges. Now, come on now. We all know that if you got arrested once for driving under the influence, you were probably under the influence hundreds of times before that happened. So if you got eight, nine, or ten uh, DUIs, then, then you were probably intoxicated nearly every time you got into a vehicle. And that is a sign of disease. So to end that discussion on choice versus disease, choice is an indication of behaviors that you engage in that you can control. If you have a disease, you have symptoms of those disease which you have no control over. Behaviors versus symptoms. And when you have symptoms, you have to take action, you have to take medical action, and you have to treat what you have as that disease and take the steps necessary to put that disease into remission. You know, what's interesting about the disease of addiction is it's the only disease out there that you can successfully put into remission. I mean, you can't guarantee that you can put uh, cancer, for instance, into remission, but if you have the disease of addiction, you can by following simple rules and simple programs. And if you do them and you do that successfully and follow those directions, you will have 100% success in your recovery. And I can tell you that in my own experience, it wasn't until I, I started following the directions of other people that knew what they were doing that I started having success. And if I can do it, you can do it. It's just that in your mind, you have to begin to just embrace that this is what it is, that other people, millions of people before you have gotten into recovery, and it, it is possible. It absolutely is possible. And once I started looking at this whole addiction issue as a disease as opposed to a moral issue, that's when things started to click. And I hope that uh, this has resonated with you today and, and is helpful. So, you know, as always, I'd like to say I don't represent any group. Um, I don't represent anyone other than myself. You know, really, my only purpose in giving this information is to share with you what I've done because it, it's helped me. And maybe it can help you, too. That's our only purpose here. And that's the only reason why I do this is to help you in any way that I can. You know, if I've said anything that does not apply to you or you don't agree with, then just just discard it. Just don't listen to it. But try to take any information that you can use for yourself and help help others as well. And that's something that I've learned over time. And that is that, you know, you hear a lot of garbage out there, but no matter where you go, if you're going to a 12-step meeting or if you're going to a counseling session, there's always something that you can take from that that is helpful. And that's the one thing that you want to take. And then don't forget to always contribute to meetings. Don't ask yourself, what is it can I get from the meeting? But ask yourself, what can I give to the meeting? That's what we do in recovery. We help ourselves along the way, and we help to impart the knowledge that we have gained to help others as well. So with that, please visit our Facebook page, Recovery is Possible, and our website, VanMeterWellnessSolutions.com, and let me know how I'm doing, and let me know if there's a topic you're interested in hearing. I'd love to hear from you. 
Take care and I'll see you next time.